millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Where did the check says come from? Top man, ASOS, nine pounds. We love a bargain. A woman came up to me at the Manchester show the other day and was like, are your suits from Next? I was like, no. She was like, I work at Next. I'll get you suits. I'll get you, I'll get you discounts. I so love that that's where she was going. I didn't, like, I didn't see it coming at all. She was like, come into Next and Trafford Centre. I'll sort you out. To be fair, that would actually be quite helpful. Yeah, uh, innit? Because th- those suits are now three years old. I think it's time to move on. Have you had the same ones the whole way through? We have a brown suit as well, but... When we first got that one, uh, I got the wrong size and then I didn't return it in time because I'm an idiot. And so it's actually way too big for me. Yeah, I mean, they don't fit most of us that well. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, we bring both suits to shows and then just decide which what the vibe is. Yeah, we're got... actually wearing the big ones tonight. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of a, a talking heads vibe. Yeah. That's, that's the official angle. <laughs> we'll put it across, but really I just, I didn't send it back in time. <laughs> but new suits will be, they're, they're imminent. They're imminent. imminent. As soon as we call that lady from next. <laughs> <laughs> Where did, like, what was the, the ethos behind them in the first place though? Why did you want to kind of bring the suits into the picture? Well, it was, I think we really liked like having a uniform and thinking like, you change earlier than I do, but I like to like leave it till just before we play and I get changed. I'm like, right, I'm in costume now. We're And we're all in the same outfit, we're doing the same thing. I just, I think it's a really nice way of like homogenizing us. Yeah, I just wanted to wear suits to look snazzy and I was like, guys, we should wear suits. And then everyone went with it. So I was gassed about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it, it's a really nice vibe. I feel like I'm like properly preparing to perform. Well, yeah, it is. It is like, and now I'm going to play a gig. Yeah. And you like, because also when you're playing, like when you're performing, it's almost like a character. So it just like, it helps you get into that extra step. Also, especially when we were playing like smaller gigs when we were starting out, I think sometimes it's hard to be vulnerable enough to just like 
I don't know, because those situations are so intimate, to put yourself out there, I think that's a really vulnerable thing. So I think the suits really helped with that. I also think it's kind days. of like a really weird, like not many dance bands wear suits, right? You don't really associate, I think of it as more like the mod thing or like bands like Mini Mansions wear suits. Like 1975, I don't forget that, but they always wear suits. Like, Do they? Yeah. Um, not matching, but they all wear suits. Oh, if it's not matching, does so, it count? <laughs> but I just think it's kind of like, yeah, a sharp dance band. It's quite a fun little... It's not That's like, g- gives that a different... Yeah. Something slightly different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. USP. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, so with what you were saying, you know, about the um, idea of, you know, it kind of gets you in the headspace for going on stage. Is part of that, like, separating the art from the artist, do you think, too? Is it kind of feeding into that? I think there's always an element of that. I think it's just quite fun to get to go into that different space as a person. Like it's fun to get to explore that and you get to be creative in that way and just kind of, yeah. I think when you're performing on stage, it's like everything is so heightened. Yeah. That's like, if you just stood there like, hi, I'm Egg. Mm -hmm. Like it just wouldn't suit our music. I think our music is so like high, like octane energy. Like One, also it's very performative. Yeah, totally. If... I think the whole point of the band was that a lot of the time dance music isn't that visually enticing. Like there'll be a DJ or there'll be a guy with a load of electronics, but you can't necessarily see what's going on. Pyrotechnics. Yeah. So like having real instruments and it be a band, but still kind of try and sound like that was one of the big things we wanted to do. How long did it take you to kind of get to a space where you felt like you were doing that to kind of work the kinks out and get into a flow? Well, what I, was don't know. I mean, we didn't really have time to even like think about that we literally started jamming and then we got a gig with like within a week and then our bass player was in south africa so he couldn't do it so he depped out our first ever gig and we wrote a set in a week and then we just kind of kept going from that you I wrote know. a set in a week yeah <laughs> it was then, interesting <laughs> and we just we just kind of went from there and i it, we were really lucky in the fact that it never really stopped it just kept rolling and now we're here i think that's kind of beautiful it's organic we started to find our sound properly when we started putting out recorded music definitely like we didn't put out any songs for like what two years yeah we gigged solidly for two years we were doing you know a gig a week or around manchester and the rest of the north of england and we were just kind of learning the ropes getting our foundation sorted and so yeah i think a couple of years in we were like okay we're starting but we're still figuring it out, to be honest, which is why it's, you know, Babyface EP. But also, if you, I don't know if we're ever going to be at a stage where it's like, and everything is figured out, because mm. that would be so dull. Yeah. Like, I feel like, as an artist, you want to kind of constantly be evolving, right? I saw, oh, who was it? Someone said in an interview the other day, that they the way they get creative is they put themselves in really uncomfortable situations. Grimes did that, where she locked herself in her room for two weeks and then oh, like, I didn't like, eat anything and she like went insane. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not for me I personally. I mean, I'm talking but... more like, you know, going places I've never been before or like, I'm not like <laughs> Listen, Tom, I'm torturing gonna myself. I'm a little bit more commitment from you. <laughs> <laughs> Step it up, man. So yeah, we're, we're, we're always figuring it out, but yeah. <laughs> I think we're getting there. Yeah, yeah. it's just fun, isn't it? What was the uh, like the last big revelation that you had as a group then? If you're kind of constantly uncovering new things. I think like gigging again yeah. after the pandemic has been like the biggest revelation because we were still lucky to like, we were able to write and release throughout the pandemic. And then like when we came out of it, our music had reached a whole new audience that we kind of didn't even realize. Cause when you see numbers on a screen, it's, 
I don't know, it doesn't feel real. Yeah, yeah. And then, so when we came out of the pandemic, we had just like leveled up in terms of venues and like capacity. So we were just playing to like crowds of people that knew our music and were like singing our songs back to us, yeah. which is pretty insane. I mean, I think, yeah, that I at the gig in London the other day, there was a guy in the front row who knew every word to every song. And like that completely blew my mind. It's wicked. Like before the pandemic, I mean, a lot's happened since all the lockdowns and everything. So you're telling me to see to see that is just crazy. I think that's the biggest thing for biggest us at the moment. Yeah. So does it does it change quite dramatically the way that you frame the band in your mind? Do you think? Well, I think so because it's almost like you go from. I mean, we still played some, you know, like pretty sick gigs before the pandemic. Don't mm. get me wrong, but it's like now it feels in a way like legit, like this is what we're doing. Like, I don't have another job. Yeah, I'm poor as fuck, but <laughs> I don't have another job. And this is it, like this is our lives. Yeah. And that's really fucking well, it's, cool. It's very surreal at the moment. Like we haven't quite figured it all out yet. We're in the dream world. Yeah, we've, we've been living in the dream world for a fucking minute. <laughs> but yeah, it's just amazing that we can do this like all day, every day. Yeah, to have left like college and come out and be in a position where we can do this every day like we're so lucky yeah when did you quit your other jobs that you had i never had one <laughs> I didn't, well i didn't have one after college yeah we graduated college like six months ago um was it six months ago yeah god time flies um and then i got a job transcribing tv shows which nice. was wank but it's okay. Um, but the I, subtitles that come up. Yeah, well... It's, it's, <laughs> he wasn't at that level yet. No, he was below that. That was, below my pay, that was above my pay That's grade. That's the upper was, You just have to type out everything they say so they can edit it quicker. But I was doing like Ghost Hunters, Love and Hip Hop in Miami. It was <laughs> Love such, and Hip Hop in Miami. Oh God, that one. Is it not your favourite show, Alex? I'm confused. I, I thought, mean, that sounds like it could be. So it's a cult hit in Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> it is rough. It's just all these Hispanic people very loudly bitching about each other. Um, is it like a reality TV show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're really touchy about their appearances. So they didn't send over the footage. So I just had an hour long <laughs> audio file of this um, pop star from Miami going, oh my God, I absolutely hate her. She's like the absolute bitch of my life. And then they'd be like, okay, we're rolling. She's like, oh my God, it was so good to see her after so long. I, I like, love that we're giving so much air time to love and hip hop in my eyes. I'm just assuming it's going to get cut, go watch it's fine. It now. Uh, but really I quit, I, I didn't actually quit, but they sent me an email yesterday saying, where are you? You could resign now worked. on camera. I, 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 or I think I told them yesterday, I was like. Oh, that's nice. Um, he quits. So I haven't done any work for like two months. There's so. not time to. There is not time. He's like, every day is so hectic. Like you just got to, you just kind of got to go balls to the wall and like fully commit. Otherwise it's not going to happen. Yeah. Is it ever tough to create when you're kind of in that space then where it's so hectic and stuff's constantly happening? Sometimes, but at the moment it's like a really good pressure. Um, Cause we've been working on our next EP, wrote it in what, like August? M wrote the majority yeah. of it then. And we've been in kind of the, the more technical phase of recording, mixing, producing, that kind of thing, which is easier to do under pressure. But we're looking to write new songs and stuff. And I think sometimes that pressure is really good 
because it means you go, oh, crap, well, I've got to do this now. Because Yeah, I do love a deadline. Mm. I do work well <laughs> under pressure. But that being said, like, I do also definitely need space to create. Yeah. And also, if I think if you're not having, like, a chance to live experiences, I mm-hmm. think it's quite hard to mm-hmm. write. Yeah. Um. So I think, yeah, over Christmas. Well, yeah, over of- Christmas and the new year, we're kind of chilling out a bit more. We're going to f- kind of power into the album. Yeah. Album one. Uno. Well, you have to force yourselves to chill out over the new year. Yes. Probably. Well, <laughs> well, you get used to the adrenaline. Like, being on tour is so funny. The last time we were on tour, it was literally for three days. <laughs> and the day we got back, I was just sitting there at home like, when's the adrenaline going to hit? Like, you become <laughs> like an addict. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't fully wake up after tour until three days later when my mum nearly crashed her car. And I was like, whoa. I'm awake again. There okay, is, right. Baby. Let's go. Let's. I'm. I'm ready. <laughs> you said you love a deadline. Was it dirty work? Uh, no, dirty love rather. That was written for your uni deadline, right? <laughs> oh yes, yes. It was for my songwriting module. Actually, very helpful. Loved it. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was. I had to write four songs in forty-eight hours because I think I have ADHD, undiagnosed. But, um, well, I was going to say, it, doesn't, it didn't have to be 48 hours. You just kind of left it that no, way. No, no, yeah, definitely. Guys, this is my bad. I <laughs> <laughs> would like to clarify. Um, but yeah, then, then it was definitely, sometimes they just pop out. It's great. Sometimes they really don't though. <laughs> but that's why, yeah, it's good, good to get a little deadline. And then I think that definitely contributed to the weirdness of Dirty Love. I thought I was writing normal songs. I keep doing this. I keep being like, guys, I've written a really normal song. Like, it's going to be great. And I was like, this is fucking weird. This is so egg. <laughs> I'm like, all right. I'm, I'm seeing it now through your ears. And uh, yeah, yeah, definitely still weird. Well, I, w- I wanted to ask about that one before we get into the EP, because it's kind of a fictional account of something as opposed to writing from truth, right? Yeah, most definitely not real life. <laughs> <laughs> was there anything you learned, though, from writing fictionally that you were then able to apply when you came back to writing about things that you're pulling from your own life? Well, I just think it, what I learned, I think, is that it's not everything has to be like biographical and actually that can be really fun. And I think if you put yourself in that kind of a box, sometimes restricting yourself is good for creativity. But then I thought, yeah, I don't know, just writing fictionally was really freeing, actually. Mm. It's like. I can use all these stupid words and it's great. And it doesn't have to be like... I'm really bad at that. I am i don't really do fictional writing. I, I love it. I should try it. I should it's just great. go all out. But also it's like, it's like what you take inspiration from. So it's like my partner Paige is also a musician and like their latest EP, like one of them is about through the eyes of a stalker. And one of them is like about the guy in the Joker film. And like, it's just like, yeah. you can be so creative and it means that you can fit in words like Ebola. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's wicked. Yeah. And, and I like being able to do both. I think that's really fun mm. because you can still have like, I think there is something so precious about songwriting when it is personal and it is raw and it's vulnerable. And I think that that comes from such a special place. But then also it's trying to get that same effect when you're not writing about yourself, which yeah. is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess there's an element of not taking yourself too seriously with it as well. hundred yeah. percent. I, I mean, there's we, quite a lot of that with us. <laughs> we called porridge, but spelled dumb. <laughs> it doesn't get more, <laughs> more silly than that. I guess that kind of leads us nicely into the, the song Ego, 
which is uh, on UAP yes. because by doing by not taking yourself too seriously it's a way of kind of preventing that building up I suppose definitely definitely yeah when it comes to someone else which who I imagine that song was written about well it wasn't okay so it was actually written about my flatmate and her ex-boyfriend at the time she's Scottish half Scottish shout out whereabouts is she from I don't know I can't remember, I can't remember that's really bad but yeah so it was it was kind of like I took the seed of an idea and then but then I built upon it fictionally so it's not like completely biographical like I have you know like made up scenarios and stuff but it was it was like the seed of that idea and then I was like okay well I want to explore that kind of relationship that's fallen apart but from both sides because I thought that'd be really fun because often it's like pretty one-sided in a song but yeah which side came first or which side did you write first um I wrote the side of the flatmate first because I think it was quite fun to have most of the song being like oh you know this has happened to me and actually this person's a prick and blah 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 blah. and then you have this big like build up musically and then for like the final chorus you hear from the other person Mm, and it's just like I'm still so in love with you why am I still so in love with you I don't want to still be so in love with you like I wish this could change and then it completely flips your perspective on the whole situation which I think is fun to leave till the end and it's like the musical build-up really fits like the emotional build-up as well because it's it's almost like frustration from mm-hmm. both of them. Both sides are so frustrated. It's one of the only songs in the set where I like I can't smile during that song. Like oh, I really smile. I know you do, but <laughs> I can't. And like I'm like, nah, this one, nah, nah. I'm I'm enjoying myself, but not not in a happy way. You know what I mean? Oh, I love uh, it because then you get that release. It's like it's the tension and release in that song, which I think is so special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when it gets to that moment where you hear from the other side, and then musically it just goes. It just like expands, mm-hmm. everything opens up and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, finally, release. And then I'm just playing these chords and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's just because I'm doing way too much in that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing very difficult things. <laughs> <laughs> You're not just smiling like a lean at the front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I do most of the time. <laughs> the idea that you mentioned where you, you flip the perspective of the song. In the final verse have you ever written a song either of you where that's happened for you or by writing it your perspective on a situation has been completely changed for sure definitely like, it's songwriting is a very cathartic process that's exactly what i was going to say it's very like you can be thinking about so much and as soon as you write it all down it's like it's very diaristic like once it's out good word fuck you (laughs) once it's out it's kind of like you don't have to think about it anymore because you've already processed it and now it's down so yeah for me it definitely helps a lot just like to get a load of what i'm thinking out onto a page and then it can it helps me like work through it rather than just freaking out Mm, very diaristic i would say yes i concur (laughs) i weirdly it is super cathartic and I can't write lyrics not on paper with a pen. Mm. I can't ever like write lyrics typing. Like for me, it very much has to be that. Even if you're just jotting down an idea. Cannot be, cannot be. on. Most of the time for me, it's a voice note. I'm, I usually write lyrics when I'm on my bike because I, I don't know why. Because I've spoken about this to songwriters before. And it's like when you're walking or when you're cycling or something, 
your mind kind of goes into I that think, space where you're focusing on something else. I think else it's and it because triggers there's like the fear of impending death when you're cycling. So you can't think about anything That's else. That's not where I thought that was going. Well, <laughs> I mean, obviously, clearly I was scarred by my incident. But oh yeah, um, Tom was involved in a horrible bike crash. It was fine. I scratched my bum. It was it was fine. Terribly um, scratched his but bum. I think it's because you're you're only thinking about okay. Well, if I just like lean right, I could die right now. And then suddenly your brain has that space and it just goes, oh, you should do this. And then you have to pull over and you're like, hello, hello, into your phone. So I've got loads of like really weird little voice notes from straight off my bike. That's so funny. Yeah, I I don't do lyrics on voice notes. I do top lines on voice notes. My voice notes is a mess because I don't label anything. Oh, that's a mistake. (laughs) But I think it's quite fun because then you can just dive in and be like, oh, what was this? It's like, ah, this I'll idea. only ever have one lyric. The first lyric of the voice note will be a thing and the rest will all be mumbling, not uh, real words. Oh, but when I'm doing top lines, it's like, I will find, you naturally find mm-hmm, words to mm-hmm. fit. And then Benny Sings does that. Benny Sings wrote that all the vocals for his album with no lyrics, did the mm. whole album and then came back and did them afterwards, which is nuts. It is nuts. I'm not sure I'd do that. No, I couldn't do that. Yeah. Is, oh, it's almost that, like uh, doing it backwards, mm, yeah. isn't it? Although sometimes but I do write... he's a beat maker by trade, so like that was where he started. I do write melodies without lyrics, though, first, quite a lot of the time, actually. Yeah, but you wouldn't do a whole album. Listen, Tom, well, okay. don't put me in next a box. Time, <laughs> next time, next time, next <laughs> time. Album one, it's happening now. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. Don't make me. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that we mentioned voice notes. So I wanted to ask about how you find the voice of a song, because on the CP... You know, some of it is closer to spoken word. You're very much taking on different tones throughout. How do you find the voice that suits a particular track? Well, I think it depends also because like this latest EP, like like Can't Stop, Tom wrote by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, Divine and Heaven Knows, like I wrote by myself. And then Ego was more collaborative and so is Nobody Scared. Yeah. So you you already have like four different writers coming in with different voices as it is. So that's automatically going to get more of an eclectic yeah um what am i looking for there what's the word an eclectic what um collection collage (laughs) menagerie i definitely wasn't looking for that (laughs) (laughs) um but then i think it just like i've always said that i i don't write for an agenda i write with what i'm feeling at the moment because i think that's always going to be the most honest song or even if it's not like um truthful truthful i think that's always going to come across the best because it's i don't know it feels more real um not to say that it's wrong to write with Mm. an agenda it's just not what i do personally i think yeah i think in answer to your question we 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 try not to think about it too much in terms of the voice it's more about the song right it's just like it just happens what does this feel like kind of and dive right into that. Like, can't stop. Like you say, I made this really, really budget garage beat, just put a load of vocals on it with auto tune. And that was kind of the vibe. So then it was all like trying to replicate that just a bit higher fidelity. Yeah. And all the spoken word stuff for me comes from like, obviously as a raging queer, um, all of the like, raging, I'm a raging queer. No, um, all of the stuff from like, all of the club kids stuff from like the eighties and nineties and like the Madonna stuff and the Grace Jones stuff, like mm-hmm. very heavily influenced by that. So that's where that came from for me on stuff like divine and heaven knows. With, you mentioned can't stop as well, that you brought it in 
with that demo how like what parts of it do you expand and what parts do you preserve like how do you figure that side of it out it's a long time in a rehearsal room going how much can we physically do to make this song a band thing but still sound like the record so i think how did we do that one that one was actually quite easy weirdly yeah you wouldn't think it would be because there's kind of a lot going on it's quite hectic but mm. actually so we kept we, we kept, could physically we play kept the keys sound yeah and yeah. we but then there was so the guitar line in the chorus was originally a synth thing and we was like right well tommy you check that on guitar that'll sound great and yeah. then yeah i don't i mean we usually make sure that we can play it live before we record it so yeah. that makes it a lot easier oh. in terms of it's quite a convoluted yeah. process it goes beat live room finish the written song live room to make sure we can all record it then record it and it's but that like back and forth process lets it kind of settle yeah i mean speaking of constraints you know, you're talking there about you have to be able to play it together one of the other constraints i wanted to ask about is the format in which you present your music because i also did the mixtape last year ep this year what's the difference between those two mediums for you and how did that influence what you were creating so the reason we did a mixtape first was because We'd released like singles sporadically over like the past couple of years. And we wanted a place where they could all sit together like as a body of work. And then also, cause it was a pandemic, we weren't playing live, but we kind of recorded the covers that we would play live. So it was like, you can't actually legally see Poage right now, but if you were to, this would be our set. And could you have seen them illegally? Experience. Eh? Could you have seen them illegally? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I don't think we're quite that hard. <laughs> we're not that cool, Alex. Read the room. <laughs> but that was the reason that we did that. And it wasn't like as pressured as like our debut EP. And also like, I feel like, yeah, it was more like, this is a collection of songs that we've done. This is the beginning, but it's yeah. not like... It's not I, our entrance. I think the, the, yeah, the big difference was polish. It was like, okay, we're just going to kind of test on the waters with the mixtape. And now that we've got the EP, we were like, right, this is going to be considered as a whole body and like everything f just felt like a little level up and yeah hopefully the next one we do the same thing <laughs> i heard it's gonna be shit mate yeah me too <laughs> wouldn't listen <laughs> joking it's gonna be really good please listen <laughs> available on spotify you're either, you're either completely self-deprecating and won't say one good word about porridge or you'll tell everyone Guys, that porridge merch is fire. You should I'm go. A really good salesperson. I think you're too intimidating. Behind no, no, on no. the merch stand though, people are like. But that's why <laughs> you go over the top, and then it's just funny. Yeah, but th th I don't think that makes them buy. But it clearly did. Sales were through the roof. <laughs> when you weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> I just like seeing like how far you can go. I find it quite funny. <laughs> it's a bit of a game. <laughs> it is jokes, but yeah, let's just not, let's not scare the punters. What are the highlights of the Porridge March catalogue? The highlights? Embroidery. We, we've we've upgraded this time. We went embroidered as much as we could. We got some nice embroidered caps. Mate, it's quality. Some t-shirts. Quality. With high quality. Got a lovely quality tote bag. Oh, the tote bag. <laughs> Our manager gets a hard on for tote bags. And it's so funny because I don't actually understand tote bags personally. But he's like obsessed. I mean, I'm a big tote bag person, so I get it. No, but, but he's like a big tote bag person. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's the, that's the current lineup. It's a little... Also, like all the same vision is like 
it's basically, I think we wanted merch that you could just wear where it's not necessarily like, oh, this is merch. So they're pretty like simple mm. and it's just got an embroidered logo on and it's all black. Yeah. Um, yeah. Classy Alex. What can I say? We're classy people, <laughs> as you can probably tell. <laughs> have you always had quite a strong interest in everything that surrounds the banks? You know, we started this off by talking about the suits. You clearly have quite a big passion for the merch. Have you always been very interested in how you kind of expand outward beyond the music itself? I think it was more like, for example, the Oat Gang thing that came about. We basically had a DistroKid account and they said label. We were like, oh, we need a label name. She went, okay, Oat Gang, fuck it, that'd be cool. So then that was a thing. And then we needed a music video. So we were like, oh. Well, we've not, got no money. We've got no money. <laughs> so let's just make a music video with like zero budget. And then we were in the video game. And then we were like, well, we've got a show coming up. We should probably make some merch. So we just all ch- chucked in like a hundred quid. And oh then, my God, it was more than that. It was painful. Anyway, we chucked in some money, all got, got these shirts. And then we were like, right, well, we'll design them. I think what's really cool is that we can do all of that now because we can just upload online. And then like everything's getting so much more independent. Like we're not intentionally putting our fingers in every pie, but we just can. And well, yeah, it's almost like it started out from a place of um, budget, mm-hmm. but also like I think we are just generally quite interested in that kind of stuff anyway, especially like me and you. Yeah, we're like little aesthetic pals, <laughs> like you know, we did yeah. our school, like yeah. graphic design, all that stuff. So yeah. the fact that everything is in the house, yes, it's cheaper, but also like it's really fun being able to control that creative vision from like all angles like we do all our own art we did our own logo do our own posters yeah and it just really feels like as much of us as we can put into it we've spoken a lot about kind of tour and the way that you perform live and such what's the most unexpected thing that's happened since you've been back on tour post-covid surely crowd surfing man oh yeah yeah, yeah. at the london show we was it during the encore? I think it was. Uh, there was a lot of shenanigans going anyway, on. Anyway, it was towards the end of the set. I was just playing along, whatever. And I look over at the crowd and there is this this dude that's like at our height, just surfing along the crowd. We had no idea who he was. Well, what was funny is that it wasn't like quite surfing in the sense of... It was like it. controlled it was this, falling. It was, no, it was the same group of people holding him and then they were just moving. Oh, were they? <laughs> so it was like they were just carrying him around. I hadn't seen that. It was so funny. I think he surfed a bit, okay, but it was, okay. it was controlled. But it was our first ever crowd surfer. So yeah, that was yeah. cool. That was cool. And then our manager afterwards went, egg. Why aren't you crowd surfing? It's like, I'm just not sure people are going to support me. <laughs> I think just I might fall. In. I'm going to be on one of those compilation reels where oh, it's God. like all of the, the fails. Oh, I'm gonna like, like that break. one of Justin Bieber where he just falls through the stage. Exactly. Mm. I've got the fear, man. Mm. I've got the fear. Other than that, what's, what's been unexpected on tour? Um, well, the hummus has been expected. The hummus has been pretty, pretty normal. Um, we saw Venom yesterday. I saw yeah. Venom yesterday. Did you? <laughs> yeah. At Which, the 5.20 viewing? No, the 5 uh, o'clock viewing. That would have been so uh, cute. What did you think? It's dumb, it's big, it's fun. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's classic, isn't it? It's better than the first one, I think. Oh, yeah. Because they just kind of lent they into it. They doubled down. Yeah. yeah that, again, that was pretty expected. Um, PlayStation on the tour van. Oh. That oh. was unexpected. Yeah. But great. Love it. 
can't do anything never grew up with games but i'm i'm really a supporter when you play <laughs> thanks thanks it's really in your corner tom <laughs> i'm trying to think of it it's not been that wild <laughs> and now it's just we're pretty, embarrassing we're isn't pretty, it we're pretty middle-aged we go to bed quite early I had um, 12 hours sleep last night. It was lit. <laughs> I fell asleep fully clothed last night. Okay, yeah, no, that was okay, unexpected. That was, so, so I went out for like one last fag before bed. Um, what, like 11? No. T- half 10? No, no, 10. Okay, ten. 10. I was going to bed. I'd have a bath, right? And then I was like, okay, so Tom, I, I Tom was will like, be I'm back. just going out for a cig. Yeah, so I Only, set my I'd... podcast to 10 minutes, right? So, like turn off. I was like, I don't want to make Tom and listen all to I my took, podcast. I took one cigarette, a lighter and my phone and the room key. Stood outside <laughs> and then our tour manager goes, all right, we're all in the pub. So I then ended up in the pub for like two hours, not even, like an hour and a half. Got back at half 11, passed out on the bed, fully clothed. And then Egg woke up with me there. Well, no, because from my perspective, it was Tom's going out for a fag. He'll be back in 10 minutes. I wake up two hours later. Tom's not here. He could be dead. I'm sure he's fine. I fall back asleep. I then wake up and he's snoring next to me, fully clothed (laughs) on the bed at like, I don't even know when. And then the next time I woke up, you weren't fully clothed and you were under the covers. Well, I woke up at five in the morning going, yeah. what have I done? Yeah. So brushed my teeth, got thought, undressed and went back to bed. I honestly thought I was hallucinating last night. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was so <laughs> bizarre. I was like, God, I really must be tired. Like I keep seeing Tom in like weird visions. Um, so yeah, classic. that was that. That's, that's our Glasgow night. That's our answer to your question, Alex. Wow. <laughs> Thank you very much. (laughs) It's been a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Very nice to meet you. And you. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com style. 